0: Welcome to Hidden Voices, the podcast series which explores the less heard voices in health and social care. I'm Lorna and I work for Health Watch Essex, where it's our job to make sure that people's experiences help to improve health and social care services. In this episode, we're talking about Prada-Willi syndrome with Georgia and Ruben. Georgia is going to share Ruben's story with us to help us understand their experience. First of all, because for people listening, I'll just explain, mm-hmm. we are both friends. And actually, did you want to share the story of how, you know, we came to me and our families became friends? Yeah, sure.
1: So it was from my partner, actually. He was just playing football five a side on a Monday night. And um, he said, came home one day and was like, oh, there's a guy at football who lives across our road and he's also got a baby a couple of months younger than Reuben. And I thought, wow, that's what a coincidence. And then he mentioned that the baby's mum, his wife, goes to Rhyme Time on a Wednesday morning. So why don't you go along and maybe you'll see her there. And uh, so I went along that Wednesday morning and the problem is he didn't give me a description. So, you know, there's countless of other mums and babies there. I didn't know who it was (laughs) because I was on my own. I got a bit upset in the end because there's a lot of other babies crawling around. And at that time, Ruben was quite young. So it's quite overwhelming seeing other children. And then at the end, I was kind of in tears a little bit. This lady approached me and said, oh, let's go get a coffee and calm down. And uh, it was Lorna. So, yeah, just
0: luck had it that we met that day. And, yeah, we've been friends ever since. Yeah. So I thought a nice thing we could do is just talk about, first of all, Ruben Mm -hmm. and his character, his personality. And then, you know, after, then we can talk more about Mm Prada-Williams Syndrome and the journey you've been through and the timeline thus far with that. But yeah, tell tell us about Ruben. So yeah.
1: Ruben is now he's just turned ten months old and he is just the light of our lives. Like he amazes us every single day of what he does. You know, when he was first diagnosed we didn't know what to expect. We didn't even know if we could expect much, but he's so amazing, like he He's so smiley. He's got these amazing big eyes that light up the room and he's so inquisitive. You can really see the cogs turning in his brain when he's studying things. He loves people. He makes strangers smile at him. Like, he's just such a heartwarming character he comes up to you and you think he's gonna you know touch your face and be all nice but really he just wants to grab your glasses and eat them like <laughs> he's he's so inquisitive he's so curious like he's just yeah. he's so perfect like we love him so much and yeah. he brings yeah. so much joy to
0: everyone around him yeah he really does and he is he is such a character and yeah he's just amazing yeah, yeah. And you're right, everyone, almost the first thing they notice is his big eyes. Yeah. Yeah, and they
1: really... We always used to say when he was little that he stares into your soul. Like, he will stare into your eyes... And not blink he and you can see his eyes darting from one to the other yeah. like he's so he just takes in everything around him he goes yeah. into a new environment and you see him looking
0: around it's so good and how he is with like yara my little girl yeah he's, they're such good baby pairs yeah. it's so nice to see together yeah. the dynamic even he's though so
1: they're small. he's he's kind of just got this caring personality they're like you know if yara's upset and cries you can see he's really concerned and yeah wants yeah. to know if she's okay and like that will hopefully carry over when he's older and he's just he's got such a calming presence you know I just feel like everything in your life feels like it's gone wrong you can just see Ruben he just makes you feel calm he's slept through the night pretty much since he was born he rarely cries so if you do, if he does cry you know something's really up yeah yeah
0: he's so laid back so chill he's, yeah. he's an angel <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. So I'll be honest. and i have told you this before. Like I'd heard of and mm. Willie, but I didn't know details what it involved or yeah. what, what it meant. So I'm the yeah. same.
1: I I'd heard of pride Willie, like sort of like mainly through. Um, katie price and her son harvey price who you know yeah. she's documented yeah. quite a lot about him and he has prader willy syndrome amongst other things yeah so that's mainly where most people have heard of it but you know i couldn't tell you much about it yeah so when i was pregnant with reuben things were pretty normal we hadn't really got a reason to be concerned there were points when they told us the baby was measuring a little bit small but you know a lot of babies are small you know yeah. people weren't really concerned um i was scheduled in for a cesarean at 38 weeks pregnant standard procedure yeah. just because the baby was a little bit small yeah reuben was born weighing six pounds so again you know small but not tiny and everything seemed fine you know he cried when he was born the doctors were not concerned it was only when straight after birth he wouldn't latch at all which again we thought you know it's just tired until after a few hours he still had no interest in latching he just wanted to sleep he wouldn't root for a nipple or anything so at that point. Doctors were a little bit like, hmm, you know, by this stage, baby should, you know, be hungry. Um, and then so they came around to do some checks on him. And um, they thought maybe it was a tongue tie or something simple yeah. like that. And uh, when one of the doctors did their checks. They said, oh, he's extremely floppy. They said he had what they call dysmorphic features. So they said he had low set ears. Uh, they said about his chin was very small and his jaw. And they said, oh, this could be signs of a genetic defect. So we'll do genetic testing. And at that point, he was given a, a feeding tube and admitted to neonatal. And myself being a first-time parent, I didn't know there was anything wrong because I didn't really know what a typical yeah. hours-old newborn was like. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, I was like, you know, they're just being overly cautious. They'll yeah. do the genetic testing and you'll be home by the weekend and everything will be fine. And The problem with neonatal is you don't ever know how long your baby's in there. You don't get given a time frame, you know. Or, yeah, you know, by the weekend you'll be home. Yeah. Days turn to weeks and eventually, at 12 days old, we got the news that Reuben had Prader willi syndrome. And... I remember we was in this room where the doctor and some of the neonatal nurses that came in, they said, oh, Ruben's got Prada-Willi and they gave me this leaflet and it was from the Prada-Willi Syndrome Association, which are amazing. Yeah. And they had this leaflet for new parents and about your new diagnosis. And it was, you know, these pages, pages long. But at that point, just being told that Ruben had a genetic condition, you couldn't really take any of that in. And I just yeah. remember, you know, like, looking at the pictures of these babies and it's saying about it all and it was all so overwhelming at that point, just being told, you know, all I could hear was your child is disabled. And yeah, your life going forward is not how you ever envisioned it would be. You know, when you're pregnant, you think you go to the hospital, you have your baby, you take them home, happy days, life goes on. But it took a whole different direction from there. Having to get used to that was was crazy. And you know, those first days were very, very difficult. You know, I couldn't. I can't really put into words how difficult they were because as soon as Ruben was diagnosed, it was Ruben with prader willi syndrome. It wasn't yeah. Ruben. He was the baby with Prada-Willi syndrome. And it took a while to see past that and see him as Ruben. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, those early days were were really difficult. And learning about prader willi syndrome was difficult because if you type in prader willi syndrome onto Google, the first thing that comes up is a Wikipedia page that is extremely outdated and we're in the process of trying to get that to change. Um, you know, it's just pictures of severely obese children and just data that is way out of date. So yeah. that was hard, sort of getting to terms with what we were dealing with, because we still didn't really know at that point what, yeah. what it was. So, yeah, Prader-Willi yeah. syndrome is a condition that affects part of the brain called the hypothalamus. And this affects growth, hormone regulation, temperature regulation, hunger and behaviour. So that causes what's most the most known part about Prader-Willi syndrome which is called hyperphagia which is where you have an insatiable appetite most people with Prader-Willi syndrome feel constantly hungry because their brains simply cannot tell them when they're full this leads to severe obesity if Prader-Willi syndrome is not controlled which is the most severe I suppose part of Prader-Willi syndrome and the thing that needs to be controlled the most is because your body can't tell you that you're full you don't ever feel full therefore you'll always eat and Mm. coupled with people with Prada-Willi syndrome produce a lot less growth hormone and a lot less muscle mass that makes their metabolism a lot lower I think the typical person with Prada-Willi syndrome has a metabolism of about 800 calories a day the typical adult has around 2000 so that's a lot less Mm. Uh, obesity is very common in Prada-Willi syndrome but since 2000 growth hormone treatment has been around so that has
0: helped muscle control and so am I right in thinking Reuben started growth hormone six weeks ago?
1: Yeah, so six yeah. weeks ago, Reuben started growth hormone treatment, which yep. is a
0: it's a treatment that
1: came about in the 2000s. And yeah, so with Prader-Willi syndrome, one of the main things it causes is children produce little to no growth hormone. And growth hormone, it affects your height and it also affects your muscle tone. Mm. If you've got less muscle tone, you'll have a low metabolism, therefore it's much easier to put on weight. In babies, when you have higher muscle tone and higher amounts of growth hormone it really affects your development before Ruben started growth hormone he you know he was nine months old he couldn't really hold his head properly he could a little bit yeah um he couldn't sit up and he could only roll a little bit whereas yeah he's been on growth hormone six weeks now and you know he's holding his head up really well yeah he can roll about Yeah. <laughs> he can pretty much almost sit up on his own now i, I don't yeah. think it'll be long until he starts really pushing himself up almost crawling it's yeah Growth hormone treatment has completely revolutionised the outlook for people with Prada-Willi syndrome. Yeah. Again, like, you look at Wikipedia articles and you look at adults with Prada-Willi syndrome, a lot of older adults nowadays would not have had growth hormone treatment growing up, so it's almost a different condition yeah. nowadays as it was back then, which is why yeah. we're so more optimistic and positive about yeah. it now, because this growth hormone treatment is so amazing. It really, yeah. really, as of course, you know, Ruben's
0: been using it for six weeks and already the difference is it's night and day. It's, yeah. it's amazing, yeah. Yeah. I remember you saying, and he's almost, you know, spending time with him, and you, mm-hmm. like, he's almost unstoppable now. Yeah. He's got this hunger for, I want to do things. Yeah. I want, is, yeah. yeah, a lot
1: of people say when their children start taking yeah. growth, growth hormone hormones. treatment, especially when they're little, when they're very, very small, it wakes them up because probably yeah. babies are very sleepy. Reuben started it obviously at eight months old and he was already quite awake then. But yeah, there's babies that start it at, at newborn ages and it just wakes them up completely. It's, yeah. it's yeah. so good to see how much of an effect it has, way beyond what you could think. You know, you think, oh, it just
0: improves growth. There's so much more that it does. So Rubin started the growth hormone at... Seven months? Uh, I think about seven or eight months. Seven or yeah, eight months. Yeah. And but you spoke earlier that um other babies can start it from newborn stage. Yeah. So um do you mind telling us why Ruben was the age yeah? So the
1: general died? guidance is that um growth hormone treatment should ideally be started before it, the baby turns a year old. Usually that means, you know. Over here with the NHS, it usually takes a few months for it all to get kicked in because the baby needs a sleep study first because growth yeah. hormone can cause problems with um, apnea. So they'll need to yeah. do the sleep study beforehand and then if any apnea is involved, then they'll need to sort of get to the root cause of that before the growth hormone starts so you know with all of the liaison you need with every all of the doctors and stuff it takes yeah. the ball takes a long time to get rolling I use the example of newborns and that usually you see that happen in America um there's a big prado syndrome community in America on Facebook and over there obviously you've got private health insurance yeah. so if they can get growth hormone for a newborn they'll just push it yeah so you see it quite often that yeah babies are starting it when they're still in the neonatal unit Yeah. Um, but that generally doesn't have any impact on the outlook you know a baby starting at Six weeks old compared to six months old, they'll develop at the same rate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Things take a bit longer over here, but you know, as long as it's before that year mark, then yeah, that's fine. There's been situations where people with Prader Willi syndrome haven't been diagnosed until childhood. obviously they haven't started the growth hormone until being older and they've still it's still benefited them it's just preferable that it starts before
0: a year yeah so sleep apnea am i Mm -hmm. right in thinking that's where you could stop breathing in the night yeah Yeah. so
1: there's there's two different kinds of sleep apnea you've got central and obstructive central is is mainly what's in very young babies so it's the part of your brain that tells you to breathe when you're sleeping yeah sometimes doesn't work properly so you might have periods of not breathing, which is normal to have very brief Brief periods. But if you just have a long pause and not breathe, then that's not good. And then there's obstructive apnea, which is usually because you've got something in your airways, you know, you could be overweight, you could yeah. have large tonsils or large adenoids, that would cause obstructive sleep apnea. And both of those are very common with Prader-Willi syndrome children. The central, because of part the hypothalamus in the brain, controls your sleep. So, and then also obstructive, because babies with Prader-Willi syndrome have such a low tone. Yeah. That airways are quite floppy. And Ruben yeah. did, does have both. He does have mild to moderate yeah. apnea. But because it doesn't affect how he sleeps, he doesn't snore or anything, he was okay to start the growth hormone treatment. And he'll have a repeat sleep study
0: soon to make sure that that he's not affected at all. But we don't have any concerns about him sleeping, which is good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the growth hormone, I'm right thinking, does it come as an injection?
1: Yeah, so it's an injection that he has every night before bed. And he'll have that, he'll continue to have that until he stops growing, um, which could be maybe, what, 18, 19 years for, for a male yeah, and it's such a, it's like almost like a sort of pen that you get if you've got diabetes, that like insulin pen. Yeah. So you have a cartridge, and it's, the needle is tiny. He barely even reacts to it. He doesn't cry at all. Like you can do it when he's asleep, and he won't even wake up. Like he's so he's yeah. so chill about it. And it's yeah. obviously we've learned to administer that ourselves. And again, it was one of those things where at first you think, oh gosh, I've got to
0: yeah. inject my baby every day. Yeah. But
1: we do it every night. It's become part of our routine. It's so easy. Yeah. 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 And when he gets old enough, he'll be able to do it himself.
0: Touching upon something you said earlier when um Ruben was born and the doctors was they had the initial concerns mm. and because we've spoken about this when we've gone out with the babies mm. and when they use this expression or dysmorphic features, because you know, I look at Ruben and I don't see that. No. And you being his mum. yeah you just you your children are perfect yeah. to you. So you must have been I you know, what do you mean? You know, I yeah. don't see that. Yeah. I think I think when they were saying these things, I always got a
1: a small jaw and, and low set ears etc it, it was just kind of denial like you know oh they're just being extra cautious yeah. like he doesn't like it's just how he looks you know maybe I've got low set ears maybe I've got a small jaw yeah, yeah there's a lot of times where unfortunately doctors they have to do their job and that but it, is, it does seem a little bit impersonable when they're sort of talking about dysmorphic features you know yeah. it's just that's my baby and that's how he looks but you know yeah. I don't blame them for that but I always remember when we went to Great Orm Street when Ruben was about a month old for an appointment and um, there was a student doctor there and they were just sort of using him as an example of a child with dysmorphic features and they literally had him on the bed and they were just pointing out everything that looked strange about him and were like, right, dysmorphic mm-hmm. features, he's got this, he's got that, he's got that. And, you know, again, like, I could understand why they were doing it, you know, doctors have to be educated, but it was quite upsetting because it was a reminder of everything that was wrong, which, yeah. And was... you don't see that. You're like No. Well, yeah. he, he's Ruben. It's a spectrum prior Willy syndrome, you know. Yeah. The facial features, they do range from, you know, very noticeable to hardly, you know, and Ruben probably does sit on the end of he wouldn't really think yeah I think if he didn't point it out obviously apart from the fact that he's got a feeding tube he doesn't look any different really to a a regular baby he does to a trained eye you know I know that Prada-Willi syndrome he's got a narrow forehead and he's got slightly almond shaped eyes but to an untrained eye he doesn't have a distinct
0: look about him so in those early days I think what's interesting as well, and we'll come to this in more detail, you said you went home, like any of us, mm. you, you Google search, yeah. I've done it, but you said about this Wikipedia page yeah. and you know how that made you feel yeah. and obviously... It's using outdated information. Mm. The data it uses is old. I know you've started an Instagram page Mm -hmm. all about Rubin. And, you know, I think that's a positive of social media, if you like, because Mm -hmm. you can see people's day-to-day realities with certain conditions. So, you know, what helped you? Obviously, the Wikipedia page wasn't very helpful. You're feeling quite negative looking at material like that. But what did you find useful? Was social media Mm. a real positive aspect of, you know, being able to connect with others? So when um, Ruben was first diagnosed
1: and we were told all about Prada-Willi syndrome, you're always told this might happen, this could happen, because it's a spectrum. No yeah. one could tell me at that point what yeah. Ruben's future would look like. And yeah. you try and do as much research as you can, but nothing tells you the back of my answers. Yeah. You don't actually know what yeah. what Prader willi syndrome is like in, in the living world. You just see pictures and articles. and So I remember when Ruben was diagnosed, I went home that day, to my, I went to my parents' house, and I remember just being so upset and... After everything sort of calmed, my mum said, why don't you go on Facebook and just type in Prada-Willy syndrome, just find as many support groups as you can and just yeah. apply to them all, which is what I did. I just, I just applied yeah. to every single one I could find. Yeah. Went to bed that night. I woke up the next morning and I'd been approved for a few. And one of the pages... They'd said, oh, welcome our new member, Georgia, and her baby, Reuben. And there was all these replies in this thread of people putting pictures of their children up saying, hello, this is so-and-so, and we're from so-and-so. And it was yeah. just pictures of children doing things that children do. Yeah. There was children playing with their siblings, children at the beach, you know, children yeah. sitting with their pets, like, going to school. And I just saw so at that moment these are just they're just children, children. Like they yeah. weren't Prada-Willi syndrome children they were just children and they were happy they were healthy none of them were severely overweight you know that was the moment when I realized there's a whole community out there this is people you know that were all in the same part of the country as me you know none of them were at that moment when you're feeling like you're the only person in the world going yeah. through this because prada Willy syndrome is a rare disorder I felt that was that solidarity and seeing yeah. that yeah. Other children were just, they are just kids. And rather than looking at Ruben and seeing flashbacks of what the Wikipedia page was of these severely obese, disabled children, I then saw Ruben and saw a positive future. Yeah. He's going to go on holiday. He's going to have friends. Yeah. You know, he's going to have hobbies. He's going to do all these things because when you're told your child has a lifelong condition, your brain at first goes to all the negatives, all the things you're not gonna do. Oh, I'm not gonna go on holiday ever again. I'm not gonna be able to go back to work. I'm not ever gonna have a life beyond a carer. And when you see the actual reality of yeah just children being children and you realise actually he's gonna be fine. Yeah, (laughs) he's gonna do everything that he wants to
0: do. There's nothing
1: he can't do that that if he wants to do it, he'll do it.
0: Yeah. He'll find a way. Yeah. And I think that's the positive aspects of social media and And
1: solidarity that's why i have the instagram page and i hopefully i really hope that for all those future parents that are coming to terms with their diagnosis they'll type into google prada willy syndrome and there'll be something up there that just comes up that's not this horrible wikipedia page and it's just something positive and they'll just see a happy baby a healthy child yeah and they'll realize that it's okay. Yeah, you, you, you'll get through it, and it'll be fine.
0: Yeah, and we'll share details of your Instagram page, yeah. and it's, it's it's just so nice to follow. Yeah, it's so good because I think you you share you know your lived experience <laughs> and reality. Yeah, and you you know you don't sugarcoat it, but at the no. same time, yeah, there's you know all the progress that Ruben makes and right. uh, yeah. even you know I love the fun entries. You know, like yeah. when the England match was on, he was in his chair yeah. and, Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. kind of want to show you that our life is really not. A whole lot different. People always
1: say to me, "How do you do it? Like it must be so difficult." But it's our normal. Yeah. The life that I have with Ruben is normal to us, and oh, I, yeah. I, I honestly don't feel that you know beyond all of the medical appointments and the medical side of things, I don't think our life is much different. You know, it's Ruben is happy, he's healthy, and that's what you want for your kids at the end of yeah. the day. Is you want yeah. them to be happy and healthy, and I like to sort of showcase that part of our lives. So we yeah. are just. A regular family doing regular family true things true. you know i like to obviously share parts about prada willie syndrome educate for it and advocate for him but yeah the whole purpose of our instagram page is to show that yeah. pr- life with prada willie syndrome is not negative
0: You've, everyone loves him they <laughs> do and you even put that at the top of the instagram is um spreading positivity and yeah. raising awareness yeah. and that's like you're here as well doing yeah. the podcast and that's yeah. just the whole ethos and what's, yeah
1: yeah and but also keeping it true you know we don't go yeah. out there making out as if things are better than they are. You know, they're not, but
0: genuinely, <laughs> things yeah. are okay and yeah. things are fine. And, yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, when we go out together and the babies play. And, yeah. yeah it's, it, it's it's just all these things that I
1: couldn't envision when he got that diagnosis. And I just thought, of all the things he wouldn't do, I didn't think that Ruben would ever be able to sit and play with other babies. I didn't even think I would be able to ever face yeah. sitting with another parent and having their baby near me because I just thought, I'm just going to look the whole time and be like, that's what Reuben should be. Yeah. and You know, I would be lying if I said I don't get those moments, you know, especially if it's a baby close to Reuben's age. You know, I do look at them sometimes and think, oh, that should be what we're doing. That should be me. You know, I still, if I go to the hospital and I see someone leaving with their baby in their carrier, I do still think that should have been me. I should have had that opportunity, but I didn't. That's life.
0: We like to think
1: that we know the path that our lives are going to take, but we don't. And mm. you just adapt.
0: Yeah, there's always that thing. Isn't it? When you're pregnant, I always think of pregnancy. It's almost like you just live in this land of hypotheticals. Yeah. Like, oh, my baby will do this, yeah. and I will do this with yeah. them. And it's not until baby arrives everything stops being oh, yeah. hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And you read all these books, and you you know all these parenting books, and you think right, okay, this is how I'm going to parent my child. <laughs> and, and obviously, the baby comes along, and it's like, well, you know, it doesn't really work. But yeah, yeah. I think all the time you're pregnant. It's always drilled into, you know, oh, we do this genetic, we do this testing, we do this, we do that, but can't always guarantee that the chances of something happening is against the odds. So you just think, you know, it's a human emotion to feel like bad things happen to other people, not you. So you always feel like, you know, people that have disabled children well, that wouldn't happen to me. It happens to other people. Yeah. It doesn't happen to me. Yeah, You don't, you know, when you're a child and you dream about what your future family will be like, you don't envision a family where you have a disabled child. This isn't, that's not how you do things. So Reuben wasn't diagnosed with Prader-Willi syndrome until 12 days old because it's not something that's diagnosed in utero. Mm. So yeah, there was that sort of first few hours before we knew anything was wrong where everything was fine and normal yeah. and, and happy dandy. But that's how life is. Yeah things yeah. take a turn you know you don't know what's around the corner but you Ruben has taught us that you just you get up yeah. and you deal with it and you adapt with it so yeah people you know again people always say you know oh, how do you do what you do you don't have a choice I don't have a choice this is my life yeah. and I deal with it and you make the most of what you've got and that's yeah. that's what you have to do and you think of the positive side
0: of it yeah, yeah. do you know as you were speaking I was because people do come up and they say those things yeah. too, don't they when we've been out and about and you do just say well we don't have a choice, you know, yeah. they say, oh, I don't know how you do it.
1: Yeah. You What's don't the alternative? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I yeah. can suddenly say, oh, no,
1: I can't do this, sorry. You know, part of being a parent is you pick it yeah. up and you deal with it. That's yeah. my opinion anyway. And Obviously, I've got a good support network around me and stuff. But, yeah, I'm not any, I'm not a superhuman mum,
0: you know, I'm not some special person. Yeah. I'm just a mum, you know, yeah. I just do what what I have to do. That is, I think, universal to all families mm-hmm. and uh, you are such a brilliant advocate for Ruben, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the way you approach, you know, your Instagram mm-hmm. and raising awareness and spreading positivity but that is a universal you know i think yeah. um as parents or just as family members you know aunts uncles siblings we always want to advocate for those we yeah. love mm-hmm. and we always champion them yeah i see that you doing that for mm. Ruben, you know every yeah. time we're together and it's yeah. it, it's it's just nice to see yeah. yeah and i just i like to educate other people
1: because you know most people don't know much about or anything about proud of willie syndrome and humans are curious you know they see a baby with a feeding tube and they're thinking in their mind what's wrong with the baby but people don't want to ask you so yeah you know i like to educate and i like to you know i don't want people to come to their own conclusions that oh the baby's yeah. really ill you know he's really really severely disabled you know so i like to educate in that mind just to yeah. sort of make people feel at ease and, and and so they're not so speculative and come to yeah. their own conclusions sort of thing I'll, I'll just educate as it is and that's kind of how i approach
0: things do you prefer when you're out and about, you know, yeah. visually the feeding tube? Yeah, it's visible. People can see it. Do you prefer people to ask? You know, they like you say, human nature. We're curious. Yeah, so I guess or... it's all
1: it's all down to personal, you know, what personally. Yes, yeah. but I feel like yeah, I do because I'm not ashamed of yeah. of Ruben's feeding tube. You've not suddenly reminded me that it's there. I know it's <laughs> there. So yeah, if people ask about it, of course I'll always be happy to talk about it. And and people don't genu- generally yeah. tend to. To ask about it, people are just you know it's like understandable. They don't want to bring up anything negative. It's funny. It's usually like when you'll be like a little child there, and you can see them sort of staring at him, and they go, "Mummy, mummy, what's that on that baby's face?" And the mum will go, "Oh, you know, it's just a." just how he gets his milk and they go oh, okay and they get on with it yeah, yeah like we should all be like children in yeah. that manner, really yeah it's just so yeah. accepting yeah and, oh, all right yeah, yeah. and you know, you know ruben's feeding tube to us is not a big deal it's a part of him we're used to it you know yeah. half the time i forget it's even there like it's so it's just an ingrained part of ruben that yeah of course i don't mind people asking about it and stuff it's the same way if they were to ask you know oh, he's got lovely brown eyes where did he get those from like he's yeah. got brown <laughs> eyes you know it's yeah
0: so can you tell me in the early days um, mm. how reuben was and yeah Prader willie syndrome how mm. that differed from say yeah. other babies were in their early mm. stages yeah so reuben came
1: home from neonatal unit at three weeks old and at that point he was very very hypertonic so very floppy he was if we picked him up he'd be like a ragdoll like his arms and legs would kind of just hang by his side he couldn't turn his head either way he was pretty much sleepy the whole time he didn't really wake up which is not uncommon for many newborns but by three weeks they're usually sort of waking up a little bit but yeah he was very unresponsive uh, he was obviously entirely fed by ng tube he didn't really cry at all he wouldn't cry if he was hungry so you'd have to set alarms throughout yeah. the day to feed him he wouldn't cry if he had a wet nappy anything like that like he just was completely still and completely silent all day and it was a good couple of months until he really started to come out of his shell and wake up but that was probably the main thing that was different about him was just yeah the the floppiness and the, yeah. the quietness and that and you know, it used to kind of annoy me sometimes when people used to say, oh, you're so lucky. Baby doesn't cry. But it's like, well, I'm not lucky because I've got a disabled child. But I guess at the early days, you can't, I still had a lot of jealousy and blaming myself for everything. So I didn't really like it. when people said that. Whereas now, I, you know, I can see beyond what they're actually saying yeah. and see the meaning of things. People say that they mean to be nice. They mean to be well. Yeah. But- yeah those early days were really tough getting used to all the tube feeding and that because it wasn't again it wasn't how i envisioned you know i thought i'd be taking my baby home getting to grips with breastfeeding or yeah. bottle feeding not getting to grips with tube feeding were so many medical appointments you know there was pretty much every day we were either going to a hospital or having someone visit us and you sort of get discharged from the neonatal unit and then you kind of feel like oh now what and you're sort of waiting for reuben has pediatrics he has orthopedics he has dietitians. he has all sorts and yeah you're kind of waiting for everyone to kind of arranged that so yes. it's, you you kind of sent home. And you're like, now what? What's what is what? What do we do? Like, how how do we go forward from here? And you know, you're seeing other people that have you know friends that you made when you were pregnant. And they've had their babies and they're sort of going through normal, whatever yeah. that is, parenting and. You kind of feel like this is, that's how things should be. I remember one night, I think it was one of our first nights and I couldn't get any aspirate from Ruben's NG tube fees and just being really frustrated. It was like three o'clock in the morning and I knew I had to take him up to the hospital and crying and stuff and thinking you shouldn't have, it shouldn't be like this. I should be crying because I can't get the baby back to sleep. I shouldn't be crying because I've got to take him to hospital for an NG tube check. You know, it's just difficult things like that. And all sorts of things go through your mind, you know, like... Why have I done this? You know, why has my life ended up like this? And because it wasn't our normal. That everything mm. at that point we were having to come to terms with it. And yeah. like it is with any other baby, you're sort of getting used to how your life has changed. But it's yeah. just that our lives had changed in a way that we hadn't envisioned they would. And then over time it all became normal and everything about Reuben is our normal now. Yeah.
0: I guess you had so much to learn in those early mm-hmm. days with the tube feeding yeah, and... Yeah. So did you kind of, You must have almost become experts yeah, in Pradawi yeah, and exactly. tube feeding. Yeah, I remember
1: when he was in hospital, and although obviously you were encouraged to... It's, it's difficult, you know, people who understand this have had babies in the neonatal unit. You kind of feel like you go in there and see your baby and it's the nurse's baby and you're sort of... They go in there and they say, oh, you know, you change the nappy and all that. You kind of feel like you're changing the nurse's baby's nappy. It's not your baby. It's yeah. really... It sounds really strange but yeah so you'd you'd watch them do the ng tubes and eventually they'd say right we're going to train you up on it so that you can go home and do it and you think how am i ever going to do this it looks like such a complicated medical procedure yeah you know you've got to do the aspirate you've got to test it on a ph strip you've got to screw it all in you've got to make up the form like all of these things you've got to make sure they're not choking they're not aspirating any of the milk you're so worried about that or make sure they don't pull it out because someone will have to pass it for for you and it's overwhelming at first but yeah. you know you're doing at first you know we were doing it like eight times a day I think you're having a feed every eight hours in a day so you know do it a couple of days and that's it it's second nature and now if someone gave me a baby and was like can you bottle feed my baby for me I'd be like oh, "Ah, yeah. how do yeah. I do that I don't <laughs> know how to
0: bottle feed a baby yeah. <laughs> I only know N G tube feeding yeah. you know <laughs> yeah you know when you when you have a baby I can remember you know when I came back with Yara like oh okay yeah you know, oh we're on our own. yeah you know? just got to get on yeah. so for you as well yeah. but then that's you know a universal with all new parents at first yeah, time yeah exactly like, yeah okay
1: yeah i didn't go through anything that another parent wouldn't have gone through it was just different yeah in a different yeah. way but yeah. yeah it was all the same it was all just like i don't know what i'm doing but you end up just winging it and then you yeah. kind of just that becomes your life like, that
0: is so true everything
1: you do with those first few days of a newborn you're like Don't know if I'm doing this right, but I'm going to do it this way. (laughs) Things got a lot easier in the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear other accounts and people, you know, first-hand accounts of disabled people or parents of children with special needs. And there is this, you know, they all say albeit worded differently like well this is the new normal or yeah, yeah life hasn't been different yeah so yeah that's yeah yeah and maybe i
1: have it i have it good in the sense of ruben is my first child so although obviously when you're pregnant and you read about having a baby and parenting and that you have a general idea of what it is Reuben was the norm for me. I didn't yeah. have anything to compare him to. Like I didn't think, oh, you know, my previous child did this, did that, did this. I haven't got that. So yeah. if anything, if I have another child that doesn't have Proud-Wheel syndrome, everything will be a shock to me then because <laughs>
0: I'll be Willis a second-time parent, but <laughs> I won't know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but oh. uh, yeah I could I can imagine Reuben as an older brother because he's so <laughs> yeah. he is so naturally so caring and if you know if anybody's upset he's concerned mm. and so I just imagine him like oh you know I'll help you mum or do, yeah. do it this way
1: yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah we yeah. would like to have more children in the future but the um, Prado-e syndrome is in 99% of cases is not inherited so it's just a random occurrence yeah um, but there's a very very small chance it could reoccur so we are having genetic testing just to make sure that yeah. we don't carry it on but yeah but yeah
0: you know we'd like more children in the future but yeah, it would be a big shock to us. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I've never asked you, how is it, obviously you said Ruben, he was under the care of like different specialties, mm-hmm. um, so the paediatrician, the neonatals mm-hmm. for a time and the endocrinologist yep. he's under now mm-hmm. how has the experience of that been yeah. being under multiple specialties mm-hmm. i guess it's one of those things where your
1: mileage may vary but in our experience all of the hospitals and doctors he's been under have been absolutely faultless like our local oh, hospital good. are amazing they're you know it was the hospital he was born at they know him yeah. well they're really good and then there's two hospitals in London that he sees as well. And honestly, in my opinion, they've been fantastic. You, yeah, he has endocrinologists, physiotherapists. He has all these people and they have to communicate with each other. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. you know, everyone you've got to rely on, that, have they read his notes? You know, have they got the memo from this person? But in our experience, it's all been fantastic. You know, they they have the notes up straight away. Everything's communicated.
0: That's good to hear.
1: And I know all of his doctors, like they know him. So we can... Communicate really well, and yeah, it was really daunting at first. Had all these appointments that he has, but yeah actually, I think his care has been fantastic. And yeah, oh, we have good. community nurse that comes over that knows him. And do you feel like they're almost
0: building a relationship?
1: Yeah, definitely. him. Yeah, they like yeah. And every progress. time they see him, they're like, oh, he's grown. Like, yeah, they remember him, and yeah, and that's again, that's one of those things where at first it was really hard because you were seeing all these doctors that you'd never seen before. They don't know you. You know, Reuben doesn't know them. Like. It was so difficult but over time you know you see them week in week out oh it's reuben again oh, i remember yeah. that, that he was having this problem last time how's that been like it's
0: it's all just coordinated really really well yeah that's so good yeah, yeah that's good to hear mm-hmm. yeah this might sound like a strange question but again you know we always have hopes for our children and you would have the standard mm-hmm. hopes for Ruben that you'd have for any child mm-hmm. but what are your almost your dreams for Ruben? Yeah. What do you look forward to yeah. for his future? And yeah. you know, I think
1: the best way of summarising it when you're when you're told that your child has got a genetic condition or got a disability or anything, you have to think about it as Ruben is taking a different route. He's taking yeah. a different path. Things are going differently to how we envision them, but the destination is the same. He's yeah. just going in a more scenic route. All yeah. I want from Ruben is for him to be happy and for him yeah. to be healthy. How we get there is you know fill in the blanks. It makes you realise how much you in your head when you when you're pregnant or when you've got your baby you, you think oh they're going to do this they're going to do that but no one knows what their children yeah. are going to want to aspire to do you might think in your head oh my child's going to have a successful career my child's going to have a big family but you know your child can say I want to travel the world and you know yeah. do whatever yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah, and I remember yeah. you know when I was pregnant and had a baby shower and there was like one of the games we did was you had like these little cards you'd yeah. write on them things like everyone would sort of guess things about the baby and it's like, oh, what will the baby be like and everyone wrote things like you know oh they're gonna love football they're gonna be really intelligent all these things you know because me and my partner love football <laughs> and when <laughs> reuben was first born i couldn't bear to even think about these this yeah. stack of cards that we had because i thought i'm going to read through it all and it's all just going to be things that he can't do you know he's never going to play football and he's never going to be intelligent and all these things that i thought back then but actually he's already so intelligent in his own right he's so he's got such emotional intelligence he's so curious and you know what is intelligence if ruben doesn't go to university it doesn't matter no he will be intelligent in his own way and he hasn't got a choice since he starts walking he's going to be kicking a football around he doesn't (laughs) have a choice (laughs) when he was first diagnosed all the things he can't do because you're in that frame of mind. But then you realise, actually, he can do everything. Yeah. But yeah. He just might may, maybe do it differently, but yeah. he still do it. Yeah. yeah. And I remember as well when he was first diagnosed and we had that little pamphlet about prader yeah. willi syndrome and it, one of the lines in there said about how there's been no recorded cases of males with prader willi syndrome ever fathering children. And I remember looking at this perfect baby I had in front of me and thinking... Oh my goodness, he's never going to be able to have his own children. I remember that really, really got me. That really made me distraught. But then you think about it down the line and you think, well, even if he could, he might not want to. Yeah. So, yeah. what does it matter? Yeah. You know? And just because you can't have biological children doesn't mean you can't be a parent, doesn't mean you can't exactly. be an uncle. That doesn't define anything about your life. So, no. yeah, you, yeah, you learn eventually that, you know, you might have all these hopes and dreams of your child, but at the end of the day, none of it matters unless they're happy and healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I'll make a point to say as well that. Our journey with prior release syndrome is not what everyone else's journey with prior release syndrome is. It's spectrum. It it varies. What we share is is our life, but it's not necessarily what another family's life is like with prior release syndrome. And it has its challenges and, and, and and everything like that. It's just that for us so far... We've been okay with it all. We've dealt with it all. I've got a good support network. We've found his his medical team to be really, really helpful. Not everyone has got that privilege. Not everyone has got a fantastic team around them. Not everyone has got a fantastic family support network and friends and stuff. So I do realise that, that we are probably privileged in that way. But I still feel like I want to talk about the positive side of things. Because there are so many positives that you just don't think of at first. Yeah. And my life is not worse than your life because my child is disabled. My life is so enriched and... Ruben probably has taught me way more than I could have ever envisioned you know he's I've got such an outlook on life that is completely different you know he makes me appreciate the small things you celebrate the little things that he does yeah. because he works that little bit harder to get there yeah just
0: such a ray of sunshine
1: yeah he, yes you you he, he so brings, much from he it. brings joy to everyone yeah and that's what I love you know I love seeing my friends and family be so happy seeing him but I love seeing just strangers you know you'll see yeah. when they're just Give that little bit of hope and you know, I just think if someone's having a bad day and they yeah. see Ruben and that lightens up their day just for a few minutes, that's yeah. really that's just amazing and, and um, yeah, he brings so much joy.
0: Has it made a positive difference as well? Is it do you find it positive to see disability in the media? So now, you know, there's um I think it's become more visible on TV and mm-hmm. uh, for example like um what's that TV show that you are and Ruben love? Oh the oh, baby oh, club. Yes. Yeah, the baby club and Justin. Oh, something
1: special. That's it. Yeah. Do you yeah. find that's good? So I, like... think, I think children's television is really the pinnacle of, of yeah. disability awareness and stuff. Yes. Because children are so unbiased, you know. Yeah. They, they see disabled people and children and stuff and they are so innocent with it all. The baby club, you know, you'll, you'll see babies on there that have Down syndrome and other things. And yeah. it's just, it's really nice to see that. And then something special, which is really aimed towards children with special needs and communication difficulties, it teaches macotons and stuff. I love things like that. I love yeah. that it's just, there's a whole world out there of enrichment for children that are not typical because the world we live in, it is, you don't even notice it, but it is obviously tailored towards typical person. It's not tailored for disabled people, you know, And even in the small things, you know, there's so many things where... You're pregnant, you think of all these things you're going to buy for the baby and the baby's here and you don't use it all because it's no use to Reuben. He yeah. can't use a bottle, he can't use a dummy. He had hip dysplasia for a while and he had a harness while he can't wear normal clothes. You know, it's so many things in the world are not designed that way. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's nice to see, you know, it's a little escape on television. Yeah. There are other people out there
0: and other babies that are like Ruben. What's that saying? If you see it, you can... You can aspire to it. You can believe it. You can so you know. I suppose as well. Oh, well, I can see a disabled parent on TV. Mm -hmm. I can see child with Down syndrome, but. They're on TV and then Ruben will think, wow, you know, what, Mummy? I can be on yeah, TV. Exactly. I, can, yeah. Yeah, I can be hosting yeah. a show. Yeah. Why not? Well, like yeah. Things like the
1: Paralympics, you know. You can see yeah. people that have all sorts of obstacles and they can still compete and do that. And all sport and things like that. And I think as a society we're getting a lot better with yeah. inclusion and things yeah. like that. You know, my sister is a primary school teacher and she talks about how the children in her classes are just so accepting of yeah. children that are different. And things like this, if you start at an early age, it's the foundations for a future. If you've got adults that have strong views, they're difficult to change. Whereas with children, their minds are a sponge. It's so important to educate our children that not everyone is the same as you. People are different and that is okay. It's fine to be different. They'll grow up with that mindset and they'll spread that
0: to the future generations i agree and i do not i actually feel optimistic about the future when i look at our children mm-hmm. because as you said earlier we can learn a lot from them yeah they're just so accepting yeah they're just so loving yeah and they don't see obstacles or biases or barriers no. and i really am op- optimistic when i look at the yeah. next generation and yeah i'm just filled with hope they're they are so yeah. accepting yeah. so open yeah yeah Thank you for listening to us in part one. For the second part of our podcast, we're going to play a game called Full Disclosure. So, we have got some questions on some cards. I'm going to randomly pick some and then you can just okay. get your
1: an answer. <laughs> I'll try my best.
0: <laughs> so, first one. Oh, what is the best advice someone has given you? Probably
1: the best advice, probably something my mum's told me. My mum is a source of wisdom. Probably just to look for the good things everywhere, look for the positive things everywhere. Um, even in it's very cliche, but even in the terrible things that happen, and even if you feel like you can't you can't ever go up, there's always a positive to take from everything, and there's always yeah. something to learn, there's always something to look back on and appreciate. So yeah, probably
0: just to like think of that. the positives. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Shout out to your mum. Shout out to my mum. Jenny, <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. So next one. Oh, where is your happy place and why? My
1: happy place is probably if I was, (laughs) I could be, I'd be sitting at my computer. This sounds really, really nerdy, but I I like video games. Obviously, not so much nowadays, but (laughs) pre-parenting days. I'd have a nice cup of hot black coffee, nice and strong. And I'd be at my computer and I'd just be playing a game of any sort, like something RPG, like Assassin's Creed or something. And I would just zone out, play that and sip my coffee and just be to myself, have my own thoughts
0: that does sound good yeah that does sound good <laughs> i'm all for that yeah. that's not nerdy at all oh i really want to know what is the most embarrassing song on your playlist mm,
1: okay well, i don't know i mean embarrassing is
0: subjective, subjective
1: but probably like old eurovision songs not even old but like i love the one yeah. from like a couple of years ago it was ukraine and they had this um it's like a band and they had like a folklore song and it was just it yes. you know, was all in Ukrainian I don't understand what they're saying yes. but I love it yeah <laughs> I just it by repeat. the woman yeah just follow it them on, on Instagram Yeah, so yeah. I. yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that song My husband hates that song
0: but <laughs> so it's does so car. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah I know this song we have a rule that if I'm driving I get to pick the music so I
0: just play it on repeat yes <laughs> because the singer looks like Trinity from the Matrix <laughs> yes yes <laughs> I love that song <laughs> and I love Eurovision Oh, who has a big impact on you but does not know it and why?
1: Hmm, that's a difficult one. I would say probably going back to when I was talking about um, when Ruben was diagnosed and they had the people reach out on the that's Facebook great. groups. It's probably those. Like they probably they probably don't even realise how much it helped when they were just posting pictures of their children and, like, welcoming me to the group. Yeah. It's just changed everything. Like, yeah. It, it's really... It put that positive end on, yeah. it, on it all and... You know, they, they took me from a place where I was completely in despair, couldn't see the light, couldn't see the future, to a place of actually everything is okay. And yeah. for that, I just think I will never be able to put into words how grateful I am that, that they did that. And they didn't even, you know, it wasn't even a difficult thing for them to do. Yeah. Like, you know, they just yeah. posted pictures of their children. It was just so amazing. Yeah. Oh, let's hope
0: they're listening to the podcast. Yeah, they are, are amazing. They, like, yeah, everyone in that
1: yeah. community are just they're just amazing people. Like there's nothing you can say that they're not gonna help you with. Like That's and the the willi Syndrome Association, the charity, yeah. are amazing. Like you can ring them up anytime and talk about anything. They're, they're amazing. They're amazing people.
0: Do you know as you were speaking, I was thinking that you will now be that person for another family going through and yeah. bringing their baby home and they will look to your yeah. all about Ruben Instagram and you will bring, you know that yeah. Spreading awareness, bringing positivity, and you might never yeah. know how much you know. And even if
1: I can make one helped. family feel like that, then yeah, then yeah. I feel like I've repaid the favor.
0: Who is your healthcare hero? So mine,
1: without doubt, is the very first nurse that looked after reuben in the neonatal. Her name was Lethu. She was outstanding. Like we were in this is before he was diagnosed. Yeah, we were in an absolute mess. Me and me and Matt, reuben's dad, we, because we knew there was something wrong. We didn't know what was wrong and, we were getting so worried, you know, we thought it'd be something really serious. So we were just, we would be in there and there'd be days in the neonatal unit where, especially if you were there at the end of the day and it was all getting dark and the curtains mm. were closing where it was really, really difficult. You'd just be sobbing, like you'd yeah. be holding a baby and sobbing. And she was just a complete rock. Like she knew that something was was wrong with the baby, Like, but she was so positive for us. If I was holding Reuben and I started crying, she would get me tissues. Like she was just so genuinely amazing. I can't put it into words yeah. and obviously she's looked after countless amounts of babies since Reuben, but she's just left an imprint on her hearts that will have forever like, I will never forget her face, yeah. her name anything about her like she was just absolutely That's incredible nice. like an
0: angel on earth honestly yeah. like
1: just oh, an amazing woman
0: Who are your three fantasy dinner guests and why? So
1: I would probably go for number one. would Have to be <laughs> Lady Gaga. I love Lady Gaga, and yep. I love. <laughs> growing up, I loved her music, and I just I think she's a really cool person. And she was so outspoken on things before yeah. they were really made aware and stuff. Like she was such an advocate for like LGBTQ plus rights and things yeah. like that before the world was really yeah that accepting of it. She was so outspoken. So I would love to just sit with her, and it would probably just be like figures from the past that just had really brilliant minds, like Martin yeah. Luther King. I would love to. Yes. Talk about, like, talk with him. Someone like Rosa Parks, who, again, like... I guess the people that go down in history is being outspoken when everything was against them. I would just... I would love to talk to them and see yeah. how their minds work and, yeah. and hear their stories told by them. Yeah, yeah. I would love that.
0: What is your favourite book?
1: I mean... It's been a while since I've read much, to be honest. I'm so busy these days. I read the Game of Thrones series when I was on holiday, you know, this is a good probably five or six years ago, and I just I loved it. I, I read it before yeah. I watched the series, and I couldn't. It was one of those books where you get to the end of the chapter and you physically cannot put it down. And you're like, I need to read the next chapter. And I don't, for me, there's not many books like that that can, that yeah. can yeah. hold me in that much. they're really big and really long those books they're a massive (laughs) massive commitment they're not an easy read but uh, even if I read them again it wouldn't be the same I I want to take myself back to the moment I I first finished those books I want to go back to that time yeah yeah amazing amazing books
0: so last question what would be the title of your life story
1: probably sounds really cliche but I would maybe put something just Like hope in despair—not despair, but I need a word instead of despair. But like hope.
0: I don't know. Hope against it all. Yeah, hope against. Yeah. Hope against the odds. Hope. It ties in nicely with what your mum said, is not it? Yeah. And you notice about that little saying: no matter what goes on, you can always look to the people doing the little things that make everything all right.
1: I suppose something like if there are shadows, then there's light. Something like that. I don't know. Like. Yeah. Our destination is the same. Our journey is just different. I. I love that.
0: I really yeah. love that. Yeah. We
1: ta- yeah. <laughs> we're taking a more scenic, a slower route, but Yeah, the destination is the same. Yeah. And, in fact, sometimes the scenic route can be better. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's so many
0: positives oh, about the scenic route. I agree route. to that, well, yeah. in the direct. Thank you so much, Georgia. Thank you, you for so bringing me in well, here. It's just... Love to talk about him. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I love ruben i'm gonna get a in a been minute been out the back playing for everyone isn't he like yeah. <laughs> everyone wants to, wants to hold him and play with him <laughs> he's a charmer and you know i'd just like to mention your instagram as well yeah so it's on. all underscore about underscore ruben yeah. and yeah. ruben spell r-e-u-b-e-n yeah that's yeah right. so thank you so much oh you're very welcome thank you um, for having me